26 for Pascal, 26 for Hughes, 17 for Jared Butler. And Tim Lacombe taking victory laps, saying, I told you this was going to be fun. Well, it wasn't exactly the type of fun we wanted to have ultimately, but way better game than I think most people anticipated. Um, we've seen this the other way, right? We, the Jazz have been healthy and had to take on one of these spirited teams, and it's what we see happen. Yeah, this, I was just saying to Ron, I don't know if you heard it, like, and I, the added one that, like, hit me during pregame is we were prepping for pregame, and, they put, and we have one TV screen, which is the Jazz broadcast, we have another TV screen, which is the arena. And it's called camera one. So it's the, it's the mid-court camera takes in pretty much all 94 feet most of the time. And they were warming up, and there were no fans in the crowd. And I think this is the first time the Raptors have played without fans. And we went to break, and I said to – actually, I said it on the air, Rod. I literally said to you, like, oh, we're going to come with a world of energy, and they're going to have none because they're playing at home without fans. So this game went very much, I mean, our guys were great. I'm not trying to, under, like, the course of the game is not stunning to me, and I thought it was neat to watch our guys get the opportunity to play it, you know. And I think you saw, frankly, other than one case I can think of, where, like, there's a level that Eric pa- Pascal is, right? He's just a little bit above the rest of these guys, and he looked it. And Elijah Hughes has, is a bona fide scorer. We said in pregame we thought he was the guy that was most ready to take advantage of the opportunity, and he showed it. He was awesome. Both he and Pascal, I thought they came out and, you know, to borrow your phrase, shot their shot early. Uh, they, Pascal was coming out to, to do exactly what Quinn said. Let's get shots up, not turn it over. And they did a good job in the first half. I had seven turnovers. But the second half, it all kind of blew up. And it's like you guys talk about the basketball, uh, you know, the basketball card. You, you, you end up, you, your career can fluctuate. But um, the Raptors, what do they do? They turn you over, turn the Jazz over 21 times. And they're very, very good on the offensive glass. 19 offensive rebounds. Van Leaf just obviously just showed what kind of player he really is. Because as David mentioned, he just took the ball game over in that third period. They trail by 13 going into the third quarter. And he just explodes. For 33 points, he had nine at the, at the break. But he, it was just him. I mean, no other player. Well, I'll take that back. OG had a you know pretty good third quarter, but but you can just see the separation between Van Vliet and the players that he was playing. Well, we that. felt like on the broadcast, we felt as though Van Vliet in the second quarter was trying to will his team back by doing it defensively, and then none of them came along for the ride. So in the <laughs> third quarter, with the five minute mark, he was like, "All right, well, I've been picking up full court ninety four feet, but if you aren't going to come along, I'm shooting every time," and he didn't miss. Yeah, his that last shot he made way way deep on a logo almost. Uh, just speaks to, I, I agree with you guys. Always been a big fan. We played against him uh, in college. I coached against him, and um, he, he was, oh, man, he was a nightmare to prepare for and even worse to play. How did he go undrafted? I have no idea. I, I'm Probably his size. You know, everybody's fixated on, you know, big longs. It's that whole idea, can you, me- where do you how do you measure heart and what, how much degree do you give that? I always say on guys like this, what they, what they missed on, was how good they are at the things they're good at. They exactly. didn't. They didn't miss on the weaknesses, right? So, on Millsap and Boozer, they, they they missed on how good they are on their good things. They they didn't. You know, Boozer defensively was a problem his entire career, right? They didn't miss on that. Like that was that was what they missed on. Um, but the uh, the other guy, I think, you know, on Van Vliet, I I guess you know, 
I haven't seen him get taken advantage of defensively a great deal. So he's he's just pretty solid. Yeah, he's he is he's worth watching. You know, he's a guy you can turn on. And I used to love to watch. Um, you know, during the championship run, and he just had a huge impact on games. You know, with his change of pace, his ability coming off the bench and affect things. I really like him. And tip of the hat to Kyle Lowry, who I think taught him how to play. For sure. Uh, those two guys were awesome. Right? Like, it was seriously like watching Kyle Lowry play. Yeah, like he's that. a pro. The, right. You know, he's just a pro's pro. All right. Jake Scott, how you doing? I, I'm good. I Frankly, you know, watching those tired players play, I'm just a little tired over here. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just holding out in the wings because i got to catch my breath uh, like Eric Paschal going to the line. You're, you're not tired. That's just the uh, fuel Oh, and that's the, the exhaust fumes going to my <laughs> head. Fumes coming into your room, and so that you actually are like, yeah, no, none of us should, are safely allowed to drive home being in this building right now with the exhaust. Like, seriously, we're in a closed studio <laughs> that is behind what four concrete walls yeah. from the arena, and it's um, and it is emanating into the building with a waff that makes you think of waffing things in Colorado. Well, the funny thing here, I I can see myself driving home tonight. Guy pulls me over. "Uh, Sir, how much you had to drink tonight? None, but I went to Monster Jam. (laughs) (laughs) Got a little few me. But I sucked in exhaust for 35 minutes. I thought Booner was going to bounce over there and catch the show. No? I don't think so. (laughs) (laughs) I made my, um, their marketing campaign was really, really good when I was like 12 years old. And we went once for part you did. of the show, really little, very little of the show, and then went home. <laughs> I, here's an idea, a, yeah. an extreme sport. Mm-hmm. Take Bo- what Booner loves to do, golf. golf. Mix in Monster Jam. Monster Jam. Just have those trucks just flying all over, driving your ball into the dirt, maybe running a guy over here and there. I mean, you, there's a degree of difficulty in the game, Ron. I don't want to see those monster trucks ruin those gorgeous fairways. That's true. That would be now. Fun. My experience with something similar was mm-hmm. I was playing up at, what's that, Round Valley? Mm-hmm. Up, no, is that up in Morgan? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where a cow just walked down the middle of the fairway <laughs> while you're playing golf. That's better than <laughs> playing in Whistler. <laughs> oh, really? Something different? A bear. Oh, my goodness, yeah. Time to go. I'm out. Okay, <laughs> by the way, if we're just going to tell silly stories for a second, I have to tip my hat to my dad for this story. So I, I would say I had wonderful parents. My dad was not, like... He's a little intellectual, no surprise. And so he definitely, like, thought things out. So, like, the monster truck thing, he was, like, 20 minutes into, he's like, we're out. And um, I never actually, like, the traffic at certain sporting events, that his cost-benefit was wrong. My favorite one was the Salt Lake Golden Eagles. Mm. We would come to Salt Lake Golden Eagles games all the time when we came, because we lived in California, but visited here. I thought hockey had two periods. I never knew... As a child, that, that there was a third? third period of hockey. He taught you right. He, he told me there. that there was a first half and a second half. <laughs> and we're and out we of here. need to beat the audience <laughs> for the second half. And I never knew until I was like, I don't know how old. Dad, I remember going into my dad and saying, Dad, did you know that in the pro league, like the NHL, they play three periods? <laughs> and he was like... Yeah, I mean, they do that in the NHL, but they don't do that in minor league hockey. He raised you right, David. (laughs) I love my father. You coming out skiing or what? Uh, I think Wednesday. Nice. No, this week. Yeah, good for you. He's only 82. That's awesome. That's great. Enjoy those turns, buddy. Uh, Jake? Yes? I don't know what you're doing tomorrow. 
But just a snow report for you. Yeah, what's it looking like? Um, strangely, Alta today was like one of the best days I've ever had. Really? Like no powder. But like the sun this was out. weird. No, it wasn't actually. It was a little flat light because Alta always has flat light. Um, it was this weird like grapple, salty, weird consistency, windblown, kind of strange. I don't know how it happened, but it was like the greatest skiing ever. You couldn't miss a turn if you wanted to. Wow. Sounds it was good to so me. super. Yep. Tomorrow uh, we'll have to. I think it's supposed to snow overnight, so tomorrow oh, should be pretty good. Yeah. Oh, I'm doing Park City tomorrow oh, for some for time you. before Indiana. Yeah, me too. <laughs> you know, Ron Boone says Mom he wants Del. to learn how to ski. I'm going to teach Vince Lagarza and Ron Boone how to ski. Oh, I've got to. Can see I be this. there to watch? <laughs> I'm going to tell you guys a story now. Now it's Ron Boone story time. Yeah, because years ago we did a remote at the Maverick, mm-hmm. and. Buckley, you remember Buckley, the writer, the beat writer? Tim Buckley. Yeah, Tim yeah, yeah, Buckley. Yeah, yeah. We were doing a remote there, and he called the show, and he said he would donate $100 to a charity mm-hmm. if Ron Boone would get on ice skates. Hmm. So Why is, I got him up to worth, $200. I was going to say, $100 ain't getting you to do anything. I know you well. So, so okay, got him up now to we're $200, talking. Yeah, okay. and he didn't know that when I grew up in junior high <laughs> that... <laughs> They flooded this area in this park right across the street, and we ice skated every day. Nice. That was right. the easiest two hundred dollars I have ever made, Heck and I yeah. hadn't been on ice skates since ninth grade, maybe. But I loved it. I'll tell you what, I I was on skates the other day with my four year old, and uh, I did not remember <laughs> how to do it. So good, big ups to you, Ron, for remembering how to do it because I certainly did not. She hey was, guys, all right guys, see you. Well. See Thank you, you so much. Yep. Uh, all right, Jazz uh, fall tonight. Tough one, one twenty-two to one away. We're breaking it down next on the Jazz Radio Network. Jazz game night, post game show on the Jazz Radio Network. Jake Scott, Coach Tim Lacombe. Jazz fall tonight. 122 to 108, but what a fun game to watch. Young jazz players, obviously a shorthanded team, Coach Lacombe. They go out there, they fight hard. They got some, you know, uh, season performances from Eric Paschal and Elijah Hughes. Ran out of gas at the end. I mean, it was obvious they were just exhausted in the fourth quarter, but what a fight. Fun game to watch. It was great. I thought, the, you know, the energy was awesome from the beginning. And, and like we talked about, Quinn, you know, put the right mindset in these guys' head. He didn't have them go out there and worry. Uh, stress out, kept it really simple, and just focused on on real the real basics and freed a few guys up. I feel like I feel like um, Pascal and Hughes particularly were very freed up. I thought Butler found himself. Obviously, turnovers became a huge issue, but as a body of work, even though they lost the game, I think there's a lot of wins that came out of tonight. Eric Pascal, twenty nine points on ten of twenty one shooting, uh, two of seven from three. He dished out a couple of assists, had three rebounds as well. Elijah Hughes. 26 points, career high, eight rebounds, career high, <clears throat> four assists, career high. Uh, also added two steals. He was really efficient, too. Nine of 15 from the field, seven of 12 from three. What a performance from him. Uh, Jared Butler, as you mentioned, 17 points on six of 17 shooting, three of nine from three. And then Daniel House uh, Jr. and his debut for the Jazz comes in off the bench and added 13 points. And I thought he guarded well, too. He had four boards, four assists. Uh, Daniel House, uh, we talked about this a little bit in the pregame. He's got some potential. He might be a guy who can play his way into some rotational minutes. He was, you know, the very first play he made for a score, uh, it was an offensive rebound that he just darted into the screen, you know, watching this up here in the studio on the television. But it, it, it had a different pace to it than you see. Uh, you know, I think he's got some real uh, quick twitch athleticism and 
uh, did a nice job tonight. You, you can see how with his uh, ability to space and how good he was with the Rockets, I really like those that bow and arrow thing way more in a Jazz uniform than against the Jazz. <laughs> the Raptors, as far as they go, they were outplayed a little bit in the first half. They came out in the third quarter, and it took them a second to get something going in the third. The Jazz kept holding on to that double-digit lead. And then Fred Van Vliet went nuts. 24 points all by himself in the third quarter. 17 consecutive points to close out the quarter on his way to a triple-double, 37-10-10. and 10. But the Raptors overall scored 45 points in the third. And at that point, you kind of knew the tide had turned and the, the Jazz were going to have a tough time staying in the game in the fourth, and that's exactly what happened. But uh, it took a pretty heroic performance from Van Vliet to to turn this one for the Raptors. What's a word in the past watching Van Vliet that you would use to describe the way he plays? Jeez. He's smart. Very smart. He's smart. I, and I love, I'm telling you, it, it instilled from the way they played at Wichita State. I mean, Coach Marshall, love him, hate him, obviously got, you know, Got got his, his share of demons, but you know the one thing he did, his guys freaking played. Like yeah. he got them to play hard, and Van Fleet just wasn't going to lose the game. He understood the implication. He understood what a full team against uh, you know a, a team that had not played together would look like, and he just figured out a way to will his way to that game. You know, uh, I know these aren't this isn't entirely comparable, but talk about Van Fleet. You know when the Jazz moved on from Ricky Green that they thought, wow, this John Stockton guy must be pretty good. Now, it was a little different because Van Vliet played a really key role on that championship team where, where uh, uh, um, oh, why am I going blank? Uh, Lowry, where Kyle Lowry right. was. On, I mean, Van Vliet didn't exactly just, you know, burst onto the scene after Lowry, Lowry left. But for the Raptors to be willing to move on from Kyle Lowry, you know, had to be pretty confident in Van Vliet because he's arguably the best player in their franchise history. Yeah, his, I'll tell you this much, man. He... Um, I remember that run, and obviously that Lowry was phenomenal, and Kawhi was was Kawhi, and, and really hit his prime. But there were games that 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 Van Vliet did just what he did tonight. He figured out a way to just will his way to a spot on the floor and, and make a big shot. You know, he did it time and time again. And like we talked about, you know, the the character, the nature of this Toronto team is a lot of pressure defensively and then put pressure on the glass. And that's what ended up happening. The Jazz ran a gas, and the Raptors were able to do what they do. Yep. It's got to be hard for some of these players who haven't played a whole lot to go in and play. You know, if you look at the minutes tonight, um, you know, Elijah Hughes, who's had a tough time finding the floor, 41 minutes, Pascal 37. He's just getting back to the team after spending some time uh, at the birth of his son. Uh, you know, Trent Forrest, 35. Jared Butler, 32. I mean, these are way, way, way more minutes than these guys are used to playing. Yeah. Plus, sorry, the way they started the game, I mean, they came out playing like their hair was on fire for good reason. The most that uh, Elijah Hughes played in the preseason was 25 minutes. Yeah. He played 41 tonight. You know, you add up all his minutes combined uh, during the season. It's not 41. So I think that's where I say there's a win in this because you saw some things from three guys particularly tonight. And, and I would say Butler impressed me a lot in some areas. But I would say the three guys obviously stand out, House, Pascal, and, um, and Hughes. And the Jazz have a need for a energetic, defensive-minded guy who can stand behind the three-point line when passed and make a right the right play or make a shot. And there are three guys right there that did a really good job. So where there was a tough situation they had to go through, three guys got uh, more minutes and more opportunity, and they took took it and ran with it. And I love that. My the best comparison I can think of for the energy thing for the Jazz when I first got to junior high school. 
PE. We had to run the mile. Oh, I'd man. never run that the mile was so before. Brutal, dude. And I remember the, the PE coach, Mr. Bechtold, was said, uh, all right, guys, we're running the mile. So, of course, you know, the first two laps of the four, coach, I am busting it. I am running. I'm like, man, I'm going to cream this time on this mile. I've never done it before. going to get an A in this class. Well, about halfway through that third lap, boy, howdy. Well, I can, I can totally. It was, it was walking. I can totally relate. Oh, you're like bent. Like it's when you couldn't, you know, you couldn't breathe because you had a side ache so bad. I, I did the the St. George Marathon. Okay. All right. In 2009. God, good for you. I could never do something like okay. that. Okay. Oh, well, I just, I said I couldn't either and I did it. And I, I never worked out since. Um, but I, I did that marathon and everybody told me going in, you're going to have a lot of adrenaline. It's cold up there. And you're going to start down that canyon, and you're going to want to fly. But channel your energy, right? And I had one of those watches that had the, yeah, the, whole the thing. pace. So about three miles in, headed down that canyon, I look at my watch, and I'm running like crazy sub, you know, I'm, I'm like five-something miles. <laughs> you're making it happen. I'm hauling, because that thing's downhill. I got to mile 12, and I was just like you in gym class. I got to the top of that thing, and I seriously contemplated quitting at Vail. This is it for me. And then at the end, when I got down to the last three or four miles, <laughs> I looked like the Jazz at the end of that game. Yeah. But I got, there were people that were standing in the town clapping, you know, good job. And I literally wanted to take a cone and, and you know, attack them with a cone for being so kind. I was so ornery and so exhausted. But anyway, uh, I have that funny. same memory. Yeah, these guys just ran out they of gas. They ran out of gas. I mean, they yeah, did. they had nine guys, right? Yeah. And a bunch of them hadn't played much at all. All right, your final Jazz uh, fall tonight on the road to the Raptors, 122 to 108. With that, we will say good night to our network stations. Our next broadcast is coming your way tomorrow night. Uh, the Jazz will be in Indianapolis to take on the Pacers. That game will tip off at 5 o'clock. For those of you sticking around with us, we'll have some postgame sound for you, and we'll continue to break this one down next on the Jazz Radio Network. The clock is at zero, and another Utah Jazz game is in the books. This is the Jazz Post Game Show. Ingles underhand scoop to Conley. Back out to Joe. Fires the three. Presented by Mark Miller Subaru. Donovan skies and hammers. Now with the recap of tonight's game, here's Jake Scott and Tim LaCole. Jazz Game Night Post Game Show on the Jazz Radio Network. Jake Scott, Coach Tim Lacombe. Post Game is brought to you by our friends at Mark Miller Subaru, featuring the My Subaru Wiz campaign, Real Stories from Real Mark Miller Subaru. Customers share your Subaru story for a chance to win prizes. Learn more and share. MarkMillerSubaru.com. Jazz fall tonight on the road to the Raptors, 122 to 108. Of course, very shorthanded Coach Lacombe. Uh, the Jazz uh, opened up the game scoring 40 points in the first quarter. They finished the game scoring 16 points in the fourth quarter, and the Raptors pull away in the end. Yeah, the Jazz just scored two points after the 321 mark. Um, you know, looked like they were going after the first quarter, particularly 40 points. You thought, man, they're going to score a lot of points tonight. We were we were off there, but not so fast, my friend. You had predicted that we would not have an Arby's night tonight, and it didn't look good for you there for a minute. But in the end, yes, 108, the Jazz falls short of Arby's tonight. And I never cheer against roast beef. I'm always gladly wrong. But uh, it's hard to be this right. I mean, it really is. 13-1 now? It's hard to be this right. Jeff, that's a good record. Take that to... to, uh, Put that in your pipe. (laughs) To quote our friend David Locke, 
<laughs> Jazz get 29 points for Merrick Pascal tonight. Career high 26 for Elijah Hughes. Elijah also had eight boards and four assists. Uh, Jared Butler with 17. House uh, with 13 in his Jazz debut coming out in off the bench. Van Vliet, 37, 10, and 10. What a game from him. Ananobi, 22. Not a great game from uh, Siakam. 17 points on 6 of 16 shooting, 5 boards and 5 assists. He didn't have a very good game the first time these two teams played either. No, he didn't. Um, you know, it may be something to do with that pressure, uh, a lot of that pressure. and and. Uh, but it's funny how you have better matchups against different styles and different teams and always something interesting to watch. But this definitely was one of those games where the the Raptors were kind of stunned there in the first half, and they actually had to pull it, put it together and, and put together a nice second half of, of basketball to uh, come away with the win here. And I think, it, you know, post games after losses are kind of funny. You know, they, they can be really down in the dumps. There could be kind of moral victories. This one, uh, I don't think you can say enough positive about the players that played in these circumstances and went out there and, and showed a lot of stuff. I mean, we, we were talking about this off the air. I think that uh, Elijah, Elijah Hughes, Pascal, and House all – uh, what's the best word? Uh, had a had a nice tryout for a bigger role with this team, and, and throwing Butler there too. Turnovers were a little, eh, but I mean, Elijah Hughes showed some potential to get out and play. That 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 guy could contribute for some minutes for this team, and certainly Pascal. My that guy was a machine. Yeah, Pascal out of the same vein as Rudy Gay, where you can play him kind of all over the floor, right? You can play him at the five, certainly play him at the four, but I've seen him chase guards around. Yep. So something to just kind of keep in mind. I think. Um, it's hard when you're having a, a great year like the Jazz are to experiment that much because you've got your roles and everything set. But tonight, uh, a plan you know it comes up where you've got to play them. And yeah, I agree with you. I think those guys showed really well. All right, let's uh, let's get some post game sound. Let's start things off with Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder. The circumstances of tonight, with you know having eight of your regular rotation guys out. Um, what keys, what, what stands out to you just in terms of, you know, what went well? Yeah. You know, I, I think obviously the, the, the way we started the game, um, you know, as competitive as we were we talked about that, you know, when I talked to all you guys before the game started and, um, we were spaced, you know, we, we played the way we wanted to play with, you know, the ball moving, um, we struggled on the offensive glass um, or, or our defensive glass in the first half. And I thought, you know, that was, that was a challenge for us, just finding bodies and they're big and athletic and they're going to get to the rim. But, you know, the, the way that the ball moved, um, we're asking a lot of a group that really hasn't played together. Um, you know, a few of them have played together, um, but on the whole, you know, in a game against the team, um, of this caliber, you know, I, I thought particularly the way that, you know, we competed in the first half. And as I said, move the ball, the game, um, you know, they, they picked up their physicality and their pressure. Um, and, you know, at that point, some of the, the um, familiarity with, you know, some of the things we do made it a little more difficult for us to space and, and attack. And, you know, I think, you know, our, our, regardless of what's happening on the offensive end, you know, in the second half, you know, our transition defense um, was what let it, let us down. And, and some of that's eight guys. Some of it's just kind of the mental toughness to, you know, whatever happens on the offensive end, you know, to get to the next play. And, 
you know, that's the same thing that we tell our team all the time. And it's the same thing tonight, but I was, I was really um, pleased and proud of, of the guys that were out there tonight and how they competed. Sarah Todd. In particular, what did you think of what Dan Daniel was able to do considering his limited time with you, limited information and, and how he performed? Well, I mean, I, I thought, frankly, from the shoot around this morning, um, you know, it's not easy to come into a team and, um, you know, on one day to talk and, you know, be engaged. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, he showed some of the reasons that, you know, that we, we wanted him here. And I think, you know, he found out, you know, some things about us and that, you know, whether it's being ready to shoot in space and, you know, taking a three, um, you know, competing, you know, I thought, you know, he did an excellent job of trying to hit people and find bodies, you know, on our defensive glass. So, um, you know, he's, he's nursing a finger that he dislocated, you know, recently. So to have him come out and compete and play tonight, you know, says a lot about him. Tony Johns. Coach, what did you uh, see from uh, Elijah Hughes tonight, uh, particularly the ability to space and, and attack off the dribble, off the catch? Uh, and move and, and, you know, play and transition a little bit. Can I just repeat what you said, Tony? Um, you know, his ability to space and, you know, make shots. I think be ready to shoot. Um, you, you hit a number of those things on the head. Um, you know, I thought he made good decisions when he got in the lane. Uh, let the game come to him. Um, you know, it, it's nice when, you know, for Elijah, someone that's, you know, put a lot of work in and over the last couple of years, you know, due to a lot of different circumstances, you know, hasn't had an opportunity um, in a game of this, of this nature. And, you know, it was good to see him kind of rise to that occasion against, you know, a really physical, you know, quick athletic defensive team, you know, so I, I thought he made really good quick reads and when you sh can shoot the ball and um, are able to make plays, you know, you, you can make some good things happen. Last question, Andy Larson. Quinn, do you have takeaways for this game that will translate into kind of games with your full rotation? You know, do, do you think that things you learned about Eric, Elijah, Jared, and so forth may be used down the road with, with these guys? Or do you think kind of this was a one-off game because everything no. was different? I mean, I, I think you always find out about players, you know, that, the hard thing is, you know, our rotation can't be 12 guys. You know, there's not a team in the league that plays that way. But to see that these guys um, were as prepared um, to really to compete from a mental standpoint, you know, it. there's always, I mean, we're in one of them right now. You know, there's always situations that guys can step into. Um, it's difficult. You can't, you can't predict them. Um, but you know, the ability to kind of stay focused and stay ready for when those opportunities come. And obviously they, they came for a lot of guys tonight. And, you know, I think it, it's an opportunity for, for guys to, to really learn individually too, um, about the things that, you know, that are going to make them successful, um, and the things we want to see the, the way we play. There you go, Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder coming off the loss. A lot of interesting stuff there. What do you think, coach? There, you know, we talk all the time, Jake, about reps and that game reps are really the greatest teacher of all. You can simulate things. You can, 
you know, practice is just never a game. So uh, I agree with coach. I think, I think you do learn, you know, just like you watch guys when you recruit them, um, in, you know, in, out of high school to college, and then you're scouting from college to the pros, you know, you get a great opportunity to watch guys play a lot. Then they get into the league, and like coach said, you can't play 12. So great opportunity for, all, uh, for everybody, and, and I think, you know, there were some things that stood out. I think the, the competitive spirit, number one, and the way they hung together, and, and we've always talked about how good this staff is, but I think that continues to show that. And I do think some some guys turn some heads where maybe they get an additional look. I mean, Coach Snyder right there was non-committal, obviously, but how could you not take in some of this info and think, you know, hmm. man, Pascal in some situations or or Elijah Hughes, you know, they showed tonight. They, I thought they really showed. And uh, and House, like when they announced him on a ten day, I was like, oh, wait a second, you know, because I had forgotten. I didn't know where he was. I, you know, I. But that that guy. That guy had, does things that the Jazz could really use. So that's going to be an interesting one to continue to watch, especially when the, you know, the regular rotation guys get back. I want to remind you about the Utah Jazz Most Valuable Educators program presented by Instructure, the makers of Canvas. Throughout the season, the Utah Jazz and Instructure will recognize 21 MVEs. Each one will receive a visit from the Jazz Bear, a $1,000 grant, a personalized jersey, and tickets to see a jazz game in a suite. Go to nba.com slash jazz slash MVE to nominate your favorite educator now. Jazz fall tonight on the road, 122 to 108 to the Toronto Raptors. Postgame is brought to you by our friends at Mark Miller Subaru. And the My Subaru is campaign featuring real stories from real Mark Miller Subaru customers. Subaru owners are diverse and each has a unique story to share. Read some, share your own. MySubaruIs.com. Players sound, more analysis next right here on the Jazz Radio Network. Jazz Game Night Post Game Show on the Jazz Radio Network brought to you by Mark Miller Subaru featuring the My Subaru Is campaign. Real stories from real Mark Miller Subaru customers. Share your Subaru story for a chance to win prizes. Learn more and share. MarkMillerSubaru.com 122 to 108 is your final Jazz fall to the Raptors. Jake Scott, Coach Tim Lacombe with you. Let's get to tonight's Master of the Glass brought to you by Safe Light Auto Glass, the local vehicle glass expert here for another great year of basketball. Proud to be the preferred auto glass partner of the Utah Jazz. Safe Light is also proud to present this year's Master of the Glass rebound program at the end of the regular season. Safe Light will donate $5 to a charitable organization for this year's uh, team rebound leader. Coach, I'm going to let you you do this one tonight. I like this one tonight. I'm going to say your guy. Jake Scott was you're, you've been high on Elijah Hughes. You've I him. like Eli Hughes, and I've yeah. always said that your skill set translates to understanding how to coach and be a great recruiter. You've you you have a good eye. So anyway, it's our it's our guy from Syracuse, by way of East Carolina. Elijah Hughes, eight rebounds tonight. Eight rebounds. He was a purple pirate. Yeah, that I heard Locke say that tonight. He I did. Started I actually there and did not know that. Uh, I think, uh, you know, based on the way that uh, he played at Syracuse and they played, they played defense. He was the the guy with the ball in his hands the whole time on his Syracuse team. He's had a bit of a learning curve. He didn't have a great opportunity to learn last year for obvious reasons. And I thought he really put his skill set out there tonight. uh, 9 of 15 from the field, 7 of 12 from three, 26 points, 8 boards, 4 assists. And I thought he guarded well. I did too. It's funny when guys come into the league, right? They have this mindset that they've got to go do something offensively. And and I think Hughes last year when he checked into games, you know, he he understood like I got to get some shots up here. 
um, it, it just takes a little time and maturity, understanding the, the, the lay of the land. And, and you see, you've got to find a way on the floor, do something a little bit different. And f- tonight for him to get in that, you know, get that opportunity and have uh, the type of game he had, it's, it's just awesome. So ton of growth right there. Um, but the fact that he's a master of the glass when everybody was uh, down and out, it's awesome. It, it, Elijah stepped up big. Uh, Eric Pascal led the way with 29 points for the Jazz tonight in the loss. Let's go ahead and uh, go back to Toronto and hear from him. Hey, Eric. So obviously kind of crazy circumstances tonight with uh, lots of guys missing. Can you kind of talk us through what it was like just being out there with, you know, a lineup that never really played together before against this Raptors team and how you guys were able to be as competitive as you were for as long as you were? Uh, at the end of the day, I feel like we, we, we're all NBA players. I mean, it's our job to, to go out there and play basketball. So we just went out there, competed, played free. I mean, obviously we want to win, but, uh, again, we, we're, we're all here for a reason. So, uh, obviously again, we wanted to win. We wanted to come out with a victory, but again, it, it was, it was fun for us. And obviously we've never been together, but, uh, it was good. It was a good learning experience for, for everybody, I feel like. Andy Larson. Tell me about just kind of like the preparation for this game, knowing that all those players would be out and you guys not having played with each other. Like, was it kind of going through shoot around, kind of learning spacing on that? Uh, you know, kind of how, how did that come together? And then what did you see in terms of, especially in the first half when you guys were playing well? Uh, definitely. Uh, we had to get our spacing. I mean, we had, we had D house too, which, which is his first game. We didn't really get to practice with him. Uh, but again, it, it was uh, Coach Quinn made it, made it pretty simple for us. Um, and we just tried to go out there and execute the game plan, especially uh, a shoot around. It was, it was a pretty simple game plan and uh, go out there and compete. Ryan Miller. Uh, there's been multiple occasions where players have a kid and then come out with a huge game. Did you feel like you had like some extra superpowers tonight because of that? Uh, nah, nah, uh, obviously I'm thinking about my son, but, uh, nah, no, no extra superpowers. I mean, again, I had to be in the hospital for five days, waiting for him to come out. So he was a little stubborn, but, uh, it was not, nah, I didn't really have no extra superpowers. Uh, Eric Walden follow up. Eric, just given that you did have 17 first quarter points, uh, what was working for you early on? Uh, just being aggressive. I mean, again, I've I've been in that position before. Uh, again, my, my rookie year it was it was a lot going on, a lot of guys uh, down, so it wasn't anything uncomfortable. I mean, it's my third year, so nothing really surprised me. It was just I was just going out there, playing with confidence like I do, and uh, just going going to play basketball. I mean, I've been doing it my whole life, so it's nothing. I wasn't nervous or anything. I was just out there playing. All right, last question from Holly Rowe. Hey, Eric, I just wondered if you could kind of give us a rundown on your schedule this week, like when you flew to Denver, you know, just kind of what your schedule's been like. It seems like it's probably been a little crazy for you. Uh, yeah, it was a little while. I mean, my son was born the third. Uh, got to see him the, the whole day of the fourth. And then flew in, landed at like, I mean, I left Portland first. Went to, oh, because his due date was uh, New Year's Eve, thinking he was going to come out, stayed a little longer than we thought. Uh, and then there, born, uh, flew into 
Denver at 2.30, uh, played, got like, probably didn't even that. I've been tired all week. Uh, this little kid has kept me up uh, all week. So it's Zaire's fault why I'm a little tired right now. I can, you know what, as somebody uh, who now has, a, I guess, an eighth-month-old, I can sympathize with that. Uh, happy for Eric, though. I mean, what what an amazing thing. It's got to be difficult on an NBA player with that lifestyle to have a newborn and then, you know, come and go. It's got to be tough. But uh, happy for him. And, and Eric, Pascal was great tonight. Boy, what a first quarter for that guy. I loved I, – I like watching him play. Like, his minutes this year, even when it hasn't always gone great – and he just brings a physicality to the game, and he has a little pop. You know, another big time. They have two dunks tonight, I think. Um, you know, he's just a, he's a fun guy to watch. Again, mark it down. Just another guy who can help the Jazz when needed. Um, you know, to change things up and maybe play smaller um, or you know play bigger, and maybe play him uh, where he guards a wing. You know, just an interchangeable guy, and I love his attitude. You know, nobody is Zion Williamson, of course, but uh, but Eric has a little bit of that inertia to his game, no, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, I mean, he's a, momentum he's a big goes. Dude. <laughs> he is a big dude now. I think you you mentioned two dunks. He had at least two. He might have had more. He might have had three or four. Because I'll I'll tell you what, when he got that ball with some momentum, get out of the way for your own health. But I I see it translate. You know, I see I I see the Jazz learning something tonight with the personnel. Um, given the opportunity, and, and Pascal, like I said, he came out guns a-blazing. He was going to shoot the ball. Uh, let's get a look at your points in the paint brought to you by Serta Pro Painters. Call 1-800-GO-CERTA or visit certapro.com. That's Serta with a C. Serta Pro Painters, proven and trusted experts in painting. Not a particularly close uh, uh, matchup in, in the paint tonight, Coach. Uh, Jazz outscored 52-38. to 38. I guess not a big surprise there, though. Now, with the number of offensive rebounds, particularly, Toronto really moved the Jazz around, ended up with 19, and, and that's just a non, not a number that, that you can survive. Well, and, you know, as much uh, good as we've been talking about uh, performances some of these guys, uh, this was not Hassan Whiteside's best game we've seen. He had 7.7 boards, he had a couple of blocks, but did not seem like he was fully engaged, maybe getting his feet back under him a little bit. He looks exactly like every single guy that ever came back from a concussion for me. You know, like, you would watch him out there and you knew, like, they really wanted to go, but you're kind of questioning and and trying to string everything together. I I would imagine he'll be much better um, on the second night. Man, those head, those head injuries are really no joke. That's why, you know, good good on the Jazz. I know he he was he participated in shoot around before the Denver game, and it was kind of a last minute scratch. But honestly, if you're having symptoms when it comes to the the head situation, you got to be smart with that sort of thing. So would not surprise me if he a little bit of a maybe a little bit of a cloud tonight coming back and getting his feet back under him. So uh, not a surprise there. But uh, if you're going to score in the paint, he probably was uh, one of your best candidates, and he didn't have his best game tonight. Yeah, I'll, I'll clue you in. Then. It's just a just a precursor for what happens uh, in your golden years. Just a lot of clouds. <laughs> a lot of clouds. <laughs> I, I can I can testify to that. <laughs> Let's go back to Toronto. It's now time to hear from Jared Butler. Yeah, it's um, like you said, very like crazy. You know, um, weird circumstances, different, you know, no fans. It was weird. So, um, but, um, you know, I think that's just the league and you always got to stay ready. Always got to um, be prepared and, you know, whatever happens, you got to just kind of block some things out and, and be able to play. And um, yeah, that, I think that's just the NBA though. Sarah Todd. 
Jared, when we've talked before um, about, you know, playing in kind of spot minutes and not really getting into a rhythm, uh, you mentioned how you wanted people to be able to see what you really looked like out there. Did you feel like you got more of a chance to actually do that tonight? Oh, yeah, uh, most definitely. I think, um, like you said, like with the circumstances, everything happening, um, I started. So, like, obviously that <laughs> I got an opportunity and, um, you know, obviously we didn't come out to win, which I wanted really badly. But I think, um, you know, it's it's a it's a long game, long season. And um, just only for me to um, improve from here, for sure. Tony Jones. Um, what was the difference between your first half uh, and your second half up up the first half? You broke the paint. Um, mm -hmm. you know, made some really good decisions in the second half. You know, there were a couple of turnovers here and there. What was there a difference for yeah. you or yeah? No, nah, I mean, that's just me gotta be tighter with the ball. Like I said, it's a long game, so I gotta, you know, stay, you know, locked in throughout the whole game. But um, you know, credit to them, they did a great job on the defense and some um guarding our actions and stuff like that. But um, but yeah, that's just me gotta tighten up. That's it. Last question, Andy Larson. Toronto's so long, right? Like they got Chris Boucher, Pascal Siakam. Like yeah. how do you kind of deal with that as a smaller point guard and, and, you know, dealing with kind of the difference between like G league guys and, and kind of, you know, bit minute guys versus that kind of length that the Raptors have. Yeah. I think it's all about toughness um, and a mindset you got to have, especially me being a smaller guard, um, you know, guys like Fred, Fee Fred Van Fleet do a great job and, Donovan and Mike do a great job of handling that. So um, it's about, I think, a mindset and also just, you know, time and plan. And um, I think I have the right tools and everything like that. But, um, you know, just a mindset and um, just playing. I think that's what it is. All right, that was Jared Butler, the Jazz rookie tonight, got the start. Six of 17 from the field, three of nine from three at 17 points, four assists and three rebounds. You heard him talk about his second half there, and he did have some turnover issues. So did Trent Forrest, but uh, Butler had eight turnovers. Forrest had seven, but uh, you got to like how Butler got out there, and he, it was what you would expect. He, he was aggressive. He was aggressive for sure. It was like playing two freshmen you know, in a college game. Uh, and you knew that pressure was going to get ramped up in the second half. Coach Wells talked about it at the break. Um, but I, I thought Jared showed a, a lot of really good signs tonight. And I think he shows, you know, in, in one game, he shows some really good highlights and poise. And I think he, he shows a lot of people what he has to work on to continue to get better. Um, but totally agree with him. The way that you get better is, is getting reps and getting time on the floor. And he's going to be one of the guys that benefits a lot from, you know, jazz guys being out and, and hopefully he can stay healthy to, to get more minutes. I do love his upbeat personality. That was a great post-game interview right yeah, there. Yeah, he was positive and, and honest. Yeah, seems like he's got a pretty good mindset. Uh, you know, you tell why the jazz liked him when they drafted him. That's for sure. All right, uh, post-game is brought to you by friends of Mark Miller Subaru and the My Subaru Is campaign featuring real stories from real Mark Miller Subaru customers. Subaru owners are diverse and each has a unique story to share. Read some and share your own. MySubaruIs.com. Your final of Jazz Fall tonight to the Raptors, 122-108. to More players now coming up next on the Jazz Radio Network.
Jazz Game Night post-game show on the Jazz Radio Network. It's brought to you by our friends at Mark Miller Subaru. Featuring the My Subaru is campaign real stories from real Mark Miller Subaru customers. Share your Subaru story for a chance to win prizes. Learn more and share at markmillersubaru.com. 122 to 108 is your final Jazz fall tonight to the Raptors. Jake Scott, Coach Tim Lacombe with you. Let's check out your Chick-fil-A foul shot review of the game. Download a whole new way to Chick-fil-A. Earn rewards with the Chick-fil-A One app tonight. Let's see here. The Jazz from the line were 13 of 18, 72%. The Raptors, 20 of 25, 80% from the line. Uh, 25, I know, is not a low number uh, of free throws, but I did think there was a danger. The Jazz were really going to foul a ton tonight, and some guys did. I mean, Pascal had five, Whiteside had five, but holding, I, <laughs> I, I hesitate to say this, holding the Raptors to only 25 foul shots I think was somewhat of a victory. Yeah, they played, you know, Quinn came out in a zone I thought was interesting. And uh, they utilized a whole lot of different things in a short period of time. I think everybody understands kind of the principles of an NBA zone. And so that's something that's probably easy to play on the fly. But, um, you know, in time, the Jazz, you know, for a period held Toronto down. But it was when they started turning the ball over and giving up easy baskets in transition. Toronto ends up with a a pretty good uh, points per possession tonight, 127.1. Um, the Jazz finished with a 107.2. After the first quarter, the Jazz were a 140. So uh, just wow. a crazy ebb and flow of a game. Wow, that that's pretty amazing. But these guys, I mean, the, I do think it's a credit to the Jazz players that play tonight. They came out and they were going to play hard. They were going to play their butts off and, and take advantage of the opportunity. Now, like we said, like you and the St. George Marathon, they may have given a, put the pedal down a little too much in the first quarter, but... It's only natural. And the likelihood of them winning that game to begin with was was not high. No, but uh, like I said, it's hard to it's hard to win a game when you lose. But, you know, the Jazz were able to, you know, have some guys not go and perhaps risk not coming back over the border for 14 days. They were able to get some young guys who really are itching to play some minutes. And and I think they learned a lot more about themselves and, and their personnel. And Rostradamus came out with another dog. Why is he so doggone good, this Rostradamus? Rostradamus. I'm going to start referring to him in the third person. No, Rostradamus exactly. <laughs> strikes again. Because I honestly, I it's like an out-of-body thing. I sit down, you know, I'm talking with Jake, and then all of a sudden I, don't, I go somewhere it's like I'm in a trance, and then I come back, and I don't know if I've set up or down. And it just always seems to be right. 13 to 1? 13 and one. No big deal. All right. More post game sound for you. Let's go uh, back to Toronto. It is time to hear from Elijah Hughes. Hey, Eli. So uh, just kind of take us through what it's like playing in a game like this where, you know, the rotation guys are out. A lot of guys who don't typically get a lot of minutes are thrown into, you know, big roles, big situations. Um, It's just the, the beauty of being a pro. You know, you got to be ready for whatever. Um, I knew that coming into, you know, Canada that we'd be short, uh, short, you know, pretty much our whole rotation. So I knew that I'd be playing, you know, a, a big chunk of minutes. So I just got myself prepared just like a, a pro. Next up, Sarah Todd. Elijah, I mean, you and, and Jared and some of the guys, like they, you guys know the offense and you guys, you know, run that even when you're playing with the stars, but can you tell me kind of what you thought about a guy like Daniel House who comes in and he doesn't really know what's going on, but was able to kind of, you know, keep the spacing and play pretty well? 
Uh, bringing a guy like D House, he's somebody that's been in the league a long time, uh, played deep in the playoffs. <laughs> uh, so he, he knows how to play. You know, it's easy to bring a guy in who knows how to play. And um, he just made it easier for us as well. Tony Jones. What did what did you think uh, went right out there for you? And, you know, I, uh, what, did, what were you saying, you know, especially on the, some of those catch and shoot situations? Um, just be get my feet set uh, and just shoot the ball, let it fly, you know, shoot with confidence. I shoot the ball every single day. So it's nothing new. It's just making shots, you know, in front of you guys, I guess. So uh, it's nothing really new. Just get my feet set uh, and make sure it's the same shot every single time. Last question, Andy Larson. Quinn complimented your ability to kind of move the ball a little bit as well. So, you know, you were making those 0.5 seconds decisions he talks about. How is that kind of part of your game developed in order to kind of find guys on the fly, especially when you have as many new players as, as you played with tonight? I mean, it's been my biggest, you know, I, I guess adjustment is playing 0.5. You know, I used to be somebody who, you know, is playing a lot of ISO situations and dribble, dribble, dribble. So, you know, being a 0.5 guy now, quick decisions, making shots, uh, being able to make, you know, quick reads is something that I really adjusted to. There you go. Elijah Hughes, who was just fantastic tonight. I mean, certainly the the game of his career, 26 points, eight rebounds, four assists. And we alluded to this a little bit earlier, Coach, but uh, uh, Elijah talking about how he played in college and, and how he played at Syracuse and what he was asked to do. So different um, from what he's asked to do here with his jazz team. And, and I thought you could see he's picking it up. That whole idea, every step you take in the game, you 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 start at score zero. I mean, you you've got the basis and the skill and the understanding of how to do it, but your role at the next level you have to earn. And it doesn't like start with, hey, we're gonna we're gonna give you twenty shots tonight. And you know, for most guys, they've got to figure out a way to make it work. My question to you, you know, from what you saw tonight, and this is hypothetical to everybody listening, but is there stuff that Elijah does, or you know, House obviously Pascal. I mean, does that challenge any of those those guys for rotation minutes? And, um, you know, to me, the differentiator is who's going to really get down and be a dog on defense. That's that's who really can get out on the floor. Um, but it never hurts to make open shots, you know. So I this is one of those difficult questions to answer because, you know, Rudy Gay and Joe Ingles and, and Trent Forrest, too, who's been playing rotational minutes are, are, are very good. And, and you don't want to say one thing to disparage somebody no, of else. Course. But, you know, Joe has not been perfect this year. And what Elijah brings to the table, you think, well, he'd get out there and guard a little bit, make some open shots. Maybe on a night Joe doesn't have it uh, or or cut down his minutes a little bit. I don't know. You know, Rudy Gay has had some really ups and some really positives. But uh, Pascal, you know, can do some similar things. Maybe you can put them in the lineup together to give you some versatility. But, yeah, I, I mean, one game. Right, exactly. One game does, does not, not a season make. does not change everything. But. I mean, the way those guys played and and uh, Coach Snyder said this, the way they were prepared to play, you know, Jerry Sloan used to talk about this all the time when I was covering Jerry is is you got to be ready when your number is called and it doesn't matter how much you've played or not played over whatever period of time when your team needs you, you need to be ready to go. And so when you hear Coach Snyder compliment these guys and say that that they were prepared, I think that's a really uh, big compliment and, you know, maybe maybe one that deserves uh, to be rewarded a little bit. One thing I know from coaching is you get an opportunity like tonight and you, you dole out those minutes and then you watch how those guys prepare, execute, and then deal with, uh, you know, the aftermath. And you make a lot of mental notes. And I think there was some trust gained, you know, by a couple of those guys tonight to say, 
yeah, I want to look at that a little more. So just an interesting thought, but you're always trying to make your team a little bit better. Um, tonight was fun to watch. They were going against, you know, frontline guys, all of Toronto's guys. So uh, a great test for this this young jazz group. All right, let's go back to Toronto. Let's hear from, I was about to say the the newest jazz man, but that's not necessarily the case, right? Well, he certainly made his jazz debut tonight, Daniel House Jr. Let's hear from him. Daniel, I'm, I'm wondering, you know, we talked to you a little bit earlier and you talked about how it's all basketball, just go out there and don't try to overthink things because you obviously aren't going to learn the system in one day. I'm wondering what the what the feedback was kind of uh, during timeouts, dead balls, or when you were coming out of the game from Quinn. Uh, feedback was really good. He was just telling me to keep playing, just keep spacing. And uh, he was just guiding me as I was out there too sometimes if if they called a play that uh, we, I didn't go over with them per se. So he just – Queen, Queen did a really good job of just putting me in position and, and also allowing me to just play my game the way I'm capable of playing and, and, and instilling confidence. Eric Walden. Just given that you're out there like in an unfamiliar situation with guys that you've never played with before and, and guys who you know typically don't get a ton of minutes, what are kind of the, the challenges of being out there and, and trying to make things work at all? And, and what did you guys do well in that you know, particularly in that first quarter? Uh, we, we had a lot of ball movement. We was able to hit the paint and spread out and get a few layups. Uh, we, we got stops too. So that was uh, most importantly the first quarter we got stops. So, uh, and then as far as those guys, I mean, yeah, they haven't played, but I feel like they was doing a good job. They stepping up to the plate, just like I'm stepping up. Yeah, yeah I just got here. I don't know, know as much. But those guys doing a good job. Uh, like I said, like besides Coach uh, helping me, they did a good job of guiding and talking to me too. Okay, and one last question, follow up, Sarah Todd. <clears throat> I kind of on, along those same lines, you know, like guys like Jared Butler, he's in his rookie season, or Elijah, he hasn't had a lot of playing time with the team. Did were you surprised at like the level they were able to play at? No, uh, everybody in this league can play. Like, even if they don't play 32 minutes, 10 minutes, five minutes, these guys, everybody in this league that 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 that's on a roster can play. So um, I'm not surprised about about none of that. These them guys work really hard to get to to where they're at, and uh, the coaching staff and everyone else around them has been making sure that they was getting their reps and everything else of that nature to be prepared for this moment. So I'm not surprised at all. There is Daniel House Jr. making his Jazz debut tonight. 26 minutes, 4 of 7 from the field. He had 13 points, 4 assists, and 4 boards coming in off the bench. You and I were talking while we were watching this thing. I'm surprised nobody's picked up on him yet. I, I don't know. Maybe he was being choosy to, to hold out and, and get a destination of his choice. Or, you know, maybe he had a lingering injury or something where he wanted to make sure it was right before coming back. But got to be honest, he's got a skill set most, most clubs are looking for. Yeah, length. And the ability to, to lock down, defensively get out and run. You know, he's got a burst in him athletically. Uh, and then he can make that standstill shot, you know, particularly with the space that he would get. You think about the, the space that Royce O'Neal shoots in, right? Because yeah. everybody else is worried about everybody else. Um, and, and you stick somebody like Dan, uh, Daniel House in there, uh, and the shots he'd be getting would be like horse shots. So, uh, yeah, fun thought. And when they signed him, it did – it triggered uh, something in my head and then I'd forgotten he did the bow and arrow 
and how uh, frustrating the bow and arrow was when he was a rocket. So it's nice to have the bow and arrow on our in our arsenal. Well, Locke said this, uh, that he had talked to somebody close to the team. I'm not sure, obviously, who David Locke talked to, but said he might be the Jazz' second-best defender day one. Yeah, for sure. And if that's true, then he absolutely can play his way into the rotation. I would believe there's a spot for some perimeter D here and there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it really is their glaring weakness. I mean, not that this is the perfect club outside of that either. I mean, I think they're really good, but there is yet to be a perfect NBA team. But, you know, perimeter defense is their issue. There was a big long ride up in the ringer. I guess it wasn't that long, but Kevin O'Connor looked at it, put in some not that Kevin O'Connor, Ryder Kevin O'Connor, put in some video evidence, too, that the Jazz perimeter defense is just putting Rudy in a, a terrible spot time after time after time, and they need somebody. You know, if if you don't think Roy, or if you do think Royce is the guy, Royce at very least needs help. I mean, they need another guy to come in, and maybe Dan Newhouse is that. Yeah, I, I like the thought of it. I think, um, you know, the Jazz have – they have so many skilled guys. You know, they, there's so many teams. We sit, we're sitting here watching the Lakers right now. I mean, how, how, how much would the Lakers love to have two or three shooters, you know, available? The Jazz have shooters, and they have guys that can make plays. But, yeah, the, everybody's got a, a, something that they can get better at, and, and that's what you're trying to do when you're, you're rounding out your roster. So it will be an intriguing side story anyway. By the way, watching the Lakers in these, what, blue uniforms? What are these? Have they played? Have they used these before? And I just haven't seen them. I haven't seen them either. They look like I feel like I'm watching Duke every time I look up. Yeah, or the old San Diego Clippers is what came to my mind. Yeah. Sven Nader. Uh, by the way, the Lakers are up on the Hawks, fifty-six to forty-two. LeBron got the start at center, I believe, tonight as the Lakers give up a dunk. Give up an easy dunk. <laughs> There's not a lot of defense being played in this, by the way, with uh, still five minutes to go in the se- uh, second quarter, and it's fifty-six forty-four. So. We'll see. Uh, we'll see we'll how see that if goes. This isn't Rostradamus, but Hawks win this game. You're feeling the Hawks. Yeah, I like it. All right. Uh, Post game is brought to you by our friends at Mark Miller Subaru. Of course, the My Subaru is campaign features real stories from real Mark Miller Subaru customers. Subaru owners are diverse, and each has a unique story to share. Read some and share your own. MySubaruIs.com. Coming up next, we'll get you play of the game. We'll get Coach Lacoma's final thoughts on this one as well as the Jazz uh, fall tonight on the road in Toronto, one twenty-two to one hundred eight, right here on the Jazz Radio Network. Pits for three. He got it. He got it from half court. Just to cap off one of the most remarkable quarters you could imagine from the Utah Jazz. There it is, your play of the game. Our guy David Locke. It's brought to you by Larry H. Miller Dealerships for service sales and selection. LHMauto.com. Driven by you. Jazz game night post game show. Jake Scott coach Tim Lacombe. Uh, it's brought to you by Mark Miller Subaru, featuring the My Subaru is campaign. Real stories from real Mark Miller Subaru customers. Share your Subaru story for a chance to win prizes. Learn more and share at markmillersubaru.com. Your final 122 to 108. Jazz fall to the Raptors tonight in Toronto. Uh, just to recap a little bit, if you're just uh, joining us here on the postgame, Jazz extraordinarily shorthanded tonight. In fact, their starting lineup was Jared Butler, Trent Forrest, Tassan Whiteside, Elijah Hughes, and Eric Paschal. Pascal led the way with 29 points. He had a monster first quarter in particular. Elijah Hughes was really good with 26, eight boards and four assists. Jared Butler with 17. He had four assists and three rebounds. And Daniel House Jr. making his debut for the Jazz, coming in off the bench with 13 points on four of seven shooting. For the Raptors, 
They woke up certainly in that third quarter. Have 45 points in the third quarter, 28 points in the fourth to run away with this thing. But uh, Fred, Fred Van Vliet at one point in the third quarter had 17 consecutive points all on his own. He finished the game with triple-double, 37 points, 10 rebounds, and 10 assists. Uh, OG Ananobi had 22 points tonight. Um, Pascal Siakam added 17, and Chris Boucher had 13 coming in off the bench for the Raptors in the win. And uh, the Raptors ended up playing well. They certainly, Coach, didn't play well in the first half. Um, I think they came out a bit lethargic. No fans probably had an effect on them, I bet. Uh, no fans in the stands at all tonight in Toronto. But uh, they 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 came back and won this game the way they should have. It was like the first time we, our first uh, WCC game, we walked out at LMU and it looked like that. You know, we got from the Mountain West playing in the pit. And it's hard. It's hard to create your own excitement. Um, I think, you know, the, the Raptors were stunned. You used that word earlier. But I think that's what the Jazz did with their aggressiveness. I think maybe the Raptors thought that the Jazz would turn the ball over like they did the first half, but they actually came out with the mindset, we're going to shoot it quick. And the best part is those shots went in. Uh, and so the Jazz weren't put in a lot of transition situations. The game flipped in the second half with their pressure. So um, the, Toronto did exactly what they do to teams. They just did it in two quarters instead of four, you know, all four. It's absolutely a cliche, but these, you know, everybody in the NBA can play. Yeah. I mean, everybody can play. Given the opportunity, you know, some better than others, obviously, but, you know, these guys are going to go out and play hard and take their take advantage of it. I remember the first night we were sitting here dealing with, and I, you know, it's been too long. We've seen too many teams uh, that have been compromised, but I remember sitting here and, and thinking, are we kind of lying? Because that was our take from the beginning was, these, these younger guys, it seems like, will come in, play crazy with crazy energy, have it as a shot, you know, for them. And it's almost played out that way every single time. Yep. You know, very rarely has a team just come out and, and been awful. So uh, the Jazz really, I, I think people can be proud of the effort they gave and the way they prepared with a bunch of new faces and um, a couple guys really took a great advantage of their of their time. Well, even uh, even players, you know, that are – Good players, but don't have huge roles. The Malik Beasley effect, if you will. You know, those right. guys have the potential to have great games because they're really good. And, you know, in this case, Eric Pascal, who I know has had trouble breaking into the rotation with Rudy Gay being back, but, you know, he's a great example. If you you cut him loose and tell him to go out there and play, he's a great player. He's going to go out and, and create for you. And maybe in the long run, uh, he isn't as good a player as Rudy Gay, or Rudy Gay has, uh, you know, maybe a higher ceiling than he does. I mean, obviously that's the coaching staff's decision. But Eric Pascal is still a fine player. Oh, he's he's a he's a fun player to watch. And again, I think where he brings real value is his versatility and his ability to kind of be flexible. He can give you muscle if you need it, and he can lean on a big guy, or he can, you know, chase a guard around and and you know switch things. So. Yeah, pretty interesting uh, you know, game for him. And I, I was hoping he'd get his career high. I saw his career high was 34, so he was just a, a couple of points off that. Uh, Elijah Hughes had a career high with 26 points, eight boards, and four assists. And uh, Elijah, again, not to not to repeat ourselves, I suppose, but I, th- I think the, the fascinating fallout from this game is going to be what do the minutes look like going forward? Is it back to, you know, Quinn Snyder is a, is pretty dedicated to his rotation. I mean, he's not somebody that really strays from that. So I wonder if this is something he'll take into consideration when adjusting his his rotations or if this is just something he, he knows these guys have these type of performances in their in their pocket and he'll use it 
if he needs to. Yeah, I think that I think it's the latter. I, yeah. I don't see him coming out and, and especially everything's worked so well. I mean, the Jazz are one of the best teams in the NBA. Um, but I, I do believe after tonight, and, and to your point, it's only one game. Um, but it's still really difficult, you know, to go out and do what those a couple of those guys did tonight with with little minutes on the floor this season. So yeah, you, you note it. You you understand that there'll probably be a time where you can call their number and they'll respond. And um, and that's a great thing to have as a coach is is another option. So before we get to your final thoughts, this is just a, a off topic side note. But we are here. Monster Jam is here at the arena tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, they're going to be here tomorrow. I'm not sure if they have shows on Sunday, but I know they've got a couple shows coming up tomorrow. Uh, but the, the title sponsor of the postgame show is Mark Miller Subaru. And I have a Subaru. And I wonder if if the good folks at Mark Miller can get my Subaru legacy to sound like one of these monster trucks. Because if they can, I'm taking my car in tomorrow. No, you're not, because Naz will leave you. <laughs> the kids and Naz will leave as you pull up in your loud Subaru. I want to rattle my so neighbor's windows no, in the morning. I know. I know you do, but trust me, you don't. <laughs> Don't want to do that. Man, those suckers are loud. I don't know if folks can hear it, if our microphones are picking it up, because we're in an enclosed studio. And but we're, it's shaking my but seat. But it is loud. And, and I'm just going to say it. I don't, I, no judgment, but I don't get it. Not a monster truck guy? Uh-uh. I've never seen one, honestly, other than just kind of being here in the arena. Well, that's what I mean. And, and like, looking around I'm scared there. to death. My back's to the arena. And it's so loud that I'm seriously cowering in my seat. So, but you would drive one if given the opportunity. Yeah, I about took one the other night when we walked down the ramp. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and dig the zephyrs. right there. I was going to go down South Temple in that thing. <laughs> <laughs> just run over one poor parked car. You know, just one. I'd just That's do a all. fire hydrant. That would be, <laughs> I guess that wouldn't work tonight. It would just be nothing. Uh, so, uh, yeah, if you're into the Monster Jam, I do believe they have more shows coming up tomorrow. And, uh, yeah, if you're hearing the roar of the engine in the background, that is what that is. All right, Coach Lacombe, let's get some final thoughts from you on this one before we turn the page. Don't uh, have long to wait. We've got a game tomorrow. Yeah, I don't want to put too much because we've said a lot. But I, I think this is a great uh, learning opportunity for the Jazz. I think it's a great learning opportunity for the coaches to kind of see um, a, a different look at their at their guys, a different look at scheme. I, I mentioned they played some zone. Um, you know, they held their own pretty good, re- rebounding the ball. That you could kind of see the the cracks in that at halftime. And ultimately, Toronto, with their experience and and every guy available, they they just were able to kind of outlast the Jazz. But um, I think they won while losing. I think they learned a bunch about themselves, and I look forward to seeing how they respond tomorrow in Indiana. Uh, we want to say a big thanks to everybody who took part in the broadcast tonight. Uh, David Locke and Ron Boone doing a great job calling the action. Again, uh, you know, because of COVID protocols and those sorts of things, uh, Locke and Boone uh, did tonight's game because of Monster Jam from right up here in the studio. So those guys, speaking of flexibility, those guys showing some flexibility to go from on the road with the team to broadcasting in the lower bowl to up here in Studio B in the Zone Sports Network studios. You couldn't tell if you were listening. So big ups to those guys. Uh, thanks to the broadcast assistants who worked with us tonight. In fact, did we have a broadcast assistant tonight? That uh, studio down there was dark, so maybe they're uh, maybe they're sloughing. Oh, we had uh, Christian Spear and Bobby Love working uh, tonight. All right, Christian and Bobby, thank you very much. Appreciate the work. I'm going to change my name to Tim Love. I think that sounds better. It has a nice ring to it. 
Thanks to the title sponsor of the postgame show, as I mentioned, Mark Miller Subaru, featuring the My Subaru is campaign real stories from real Mark Miller Subaru customers. Share your Subaru story for a chance to win, uh, to win prizes. Learn more and share at markmillersubaru.com. I can't wait to share my Subaru story saying that they made my Subaru sound like a monster truck. Like Bigfoot. <laughs> Bless those <laughs> folks at Mark Miller Subaru. Uh, and, of course, uh, Coach Come, appreciate you, my friend. Appreciate you. Jake, don't do it. <laughs> I'm trying to help you. Don't. Uh, okay. Do it. I, I'll hold off for now. But uh, Jeff Miller, if you're listening, you know, check and see if that's possible for me. All right. 122 to 108 is your final jazz fall tonight to the Raptors. Uh, our next broadcast is coming your way tomorrow night. The jazz will be in, in, in Indianapolis to take on the Pacers. Uh, that game will tip off at six o'clock. Pre-game coverage begins at five. And of course you'll hear it all right here on the jazz radio network.